Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined as always by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I'm on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter, at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek, at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. As we talked on the last podcast, go ahead and share the podcast. Let's find some new friends in the offseason, and maybe if we find them, we can be L-I-B... I in living. Kurt's got his uh, Matthew McConaughey shirt on. It's always fun to see. Dazed and confused. Yeah. yeah. Brought this at a nice little uh, T-shirt shop in yeah. Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay. Called Homage. I guess it's a big thing around there. Like if that, you're, that specific T-shirt shop. Yes, that okay. shop. I guess there's a chain of them. Like I guess it's a thing. Like if you're an Ohio State fan, you probably know this shop, Homage. They have a bunch of. It's it's, it's all pop references and athletic stuff so yeah. a lot of ohio state gear um, a lot of indiana gear actually because pretty good proximity to the indiana campus um great shop so gotcha. yeah got this baby there and i wear it all the time well, i love it on the last podcast we touched on the super bowl um as has been you know broken down quite a bit on this podcast me and you were both seinfeld fans the commercial the tide commercial with the jason alexander yeah. sweatshirt was Freaking hilarious to me. Now, as it turns out, it's so funny. I put it out on Twitter that I thought that was hands down the best commercial. And I just, you know, arrogantly thought everybody would agree with me. And of course, people were like, I hated that commercial. What are you talking about? So here's the thing. I I was totally lost. I don't know if I like it or not because I didn't realize it was even Jason Alexander. I wasn't paying attention because I just don't I really don't care about the commercials, to be yeah. honest with you. And I don't know. It's probably on my phone dicking around on Twitter. And then I look up and I'm like, I just see this face, you know, didn't think anything of it. And then by the end, I realized, oh, that's Jason Alexander's. So I missed the whole, the well, whole we bit. Gotta, we got to like, you, I, you can, in the power of uh, 2021 technology, you can just find the commercial if you do a quick search. But, so. but now I know that it's, I don't know. I don't think it would have the same effect. It's still pretty funny, the commercial. But in the end, at the end of the commercial, Jason Alexander is, that's my face. Yeah. You can't have my face on yeah. your shirt. I wonder how Matthew McConaughey would feel about it. Did he ever give his permission to have that shirt made? I would think so. You think so? I would think so. I don't even know what I don't even know what the the, the I think rules the, are. Yeah, I think the copyright rules would have he'd have to get something from that. Gotcha. I if, think. If you are that rich and famous and you still just get like oh hey, look, I got forty two thousand dollars from the t shirt thing right. that I like, I don't know. Well, it's don't like know getting like it's like getting these residual checks. You hear the, the celebrities talk about for for the uh, syndication yeah. episodes where they just get these random checks sent to them. And, you know, well, they even did an episode about it they in, did. in Seinfeld where he kept getting those one penny checks from the happy fun hour or whatever it was in Japan. And Super I happy believe fun hour. the way, you know, like how big your role is on the TV show yes. in relation oh, yeah. to how much syndication. So there probably is, you know, the the seventh most important person in the TV show probably does get 14 cent sure. residual checks. But then you move a higher, you know, uh, uh, show up on, you know, like Seinfeld obviously is at the very top. Friends and freaking, uh, what's the other one? Uh, um, uh, the nerd the nerd show. Oh, um, yeah. The... Uh, the... I don't. I can't remember what that thing. I know uh, Big Bang about. Theory. Big Bang. Apparently, yeah, yeah. that's a you know that's a huge. It's huge. Yeah. Th- those those people are pulling down like millions of dollars yes. a year just on residual checks. Of course. On their contract, that's incredible to me. But anyways, again, I had no idea that we we're gonna talk about that. But so McConaughey, strange man. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. <laughs> but seems to be a big you know sports fan. So he, yes, he is. He's at least a little bit relatable with that. Yeah, I listened huge, to, huge Texas Longhorn fan. I listened to an interview. I think it was on the Conan podcast. I think it was Conan. I mean, it had to be him or Joe Rogan. I don't think he was on Rogan. And I don't know, he's he's interesting, but he's also so weird and quirky. It's my, it's kind of tough to listen to. Him. Yeah, I my take with him is like he probably was always a little bit, you know, different. But the more famous you get, sure. Nobody's gonna check you on being weird, so there's no ramifications to just getting weirder and weirder. When you got to play into it, because that's what he's known for. I agree. It's part of his. I mean, he's built this character that's not an on-screen character. It kind of is, but it's he's built an off-screen character too, and he's got to <laughs> keep it going. Like melded together. Yes, they have. Um, tons of good performances, but the first season of True Detective, 
Oh my gosh, it was fantastic. That's I think that's his best role that he's ever done. He was incredible. He was. That might be his best role. I mean, he's had, he's had a bunch of them, but he yeah, that's up there. All right, so uh, gonna do a little little look ahead here. We're not gonna go too deep into this. We're not gonna do like stats and projections or anything like that. But you know, we're we're late February now. Um, we got a ways to go, but it's kind of fun to look ahead, right? How about we just look at the first technically one week because we're going to look at week zero and week one of the upcoming Big Ten season because the games that are lined up at the beginning of the year, I I think it might be the best opening weekend in the history of Big Ten. Football. OK, so so week zero and week one combined. Now we're going to cheat a little bit, combine them. Sure. OK, and we're okay. going to take so- one out. OK, and I'll work with me here. OK. Illinois is actually technically twice because they're the only team, Nebraska and Illinois are the only team to play a week zero game. Yep. Nebraska is off the next weekend. Illinois turns around and plays UTSA. We're just going to toss that game out. I, I am fully in favor of that. Okay. All right. Thank you. But now we're going to combine week zero, which is, again, that's the, the only week zero game is Nebraska, Illinois, and then week one. Okay. Okay. Now I'm going to rank them to how most intriguing they are to me. Okay. And I'll probably surprise you a couple times, but this is my personal ranks. Okay, so there are nine games that we're going to talk about. First game up, okay, not exactly exciting place to start. Western Michigan, Michigan. You would expect Michigan to boat race Western Michigan, but let's be honest. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) We need to see it, though. I mean, this is a brand new... Those, offensive and defensive staff. So even this game has intrigue to it. Against those Tim Lester coached Broncos from Kalamazoo, Michigan. So I don't know, man. Like, here's the thing. This should be the game that is talked the least about. If you're a Michigan fan, you better hope that's the case by the time this game's over. I'm a, I'm a Michigan fan. I'm clenching my butt cheeks about that game. Absolutely. Next game up, this is just, I, I think, a fun uh, uh, little bit of a game. Not not. That's going to grab the most eyeballs, but uh, Temple, Rutgers. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's intriguing because um, you're starting out with uh, it's the second year of the Shiano regime. Temple is, you know, it's it's spicy. It's a spicy group of five type of team. Regional. but but And then regional. Kind of like the Michigan thing. This is a butt clenching game for Rutgers fans. Absolutely, you, you, you want to win this game yeah. to get going. Sure, but I still think this is a level up than like you know Ohio State versus directional Michigan type of game. Yeah, this, there's more, a little bit. I more. think so. Okay. Uh, next game, I think we take another step up. West Virginia, Maryland. I mean, now we are talking big uh, uh, power five versus power five matchup. Little bit of regionality there. Oh, not as, not just as, a little bit. Uh, quite a bit. Maryland and West Virginia border one another. So that's regional, baby. Yeah, I. This is an intriguing game. Absolutely. I mean, I, West Virginia was pretty good this past year. Yeah. Maryland it, was pretty good this past year. I mean, Maryland. One of these teams starts out with a win. That's getting the season off to a sure. pretty good start. Next up, Oregon State at Purdue. What do you think? Oregon State at Purdue. Wow. Okay, so I got to travel all the way across country to West Lafayette. Yes. Yeah. And, and you know, so a, kind of an evenly matched one, too, because Oregon State's playing better football than they have in the past. Yeah, that'll be a good game. That should be an interesting competitive game. I would think so. Like, these seem to be two – you would think this would be a spread that would be within three or four points. I wonder if like those that. teams have ever played before. I, That's a good question. I think they probably haven't. Definitely didn't do any deep research like that. But that is a fun game. And it's a game that Jeff Brom is going to want to win because, I mean, hot seedy, I don't know, but you're going to want to start the year. And even if, despite Ohio, or I'm sorry, Oregon State playing better football, it just won't look good if if he loses to Oregon State. Right. Um, uh, One thing I meant to point out that I I haven't done. So all of these games in the week one, the only one that is the only two that are not. Power five versus power five is Rutgers Temple and Michigan Western. Oh, Michigan. wow. Okay. All of these other games are power five on power five. And actually, now we're going to get into games that are big on big. I feel like, I mean, shocking, the Big Ten has done kind of a poor job of of serving up the fact that this is a completely different 
uh, uh, schedule that we're looking at, there is an abundance of Big Ten versus Big Ten games that are happening on week one. It's incredible. So was that a, a big part of the, the reschedule here? Did they shuffle a lot of games to week one? I mean, most of these were already week one. Okay. It's, it's, this is a thing. Okay. I, I don't, so. I mean, I, like I have it. yet. I have not yet made up my mind if I really think this is a good idea. But I'll say this much: I mean, I'm intrigued to watch it week one. Okay, if you look back, especially they're doing more of this stuff now in the last few years. But look at like ten years ago, I'd get so excited for the first few weeks of the football season, and then you get to the games on Saturday and they were all crappy games. You're like, oh, okay. Well, I guess I got to wait another week for some good games. And then, yeah, the second week maybe is a little bit better. I like this. I, I like, like coming to I like coming out of the gate hot, man. Okay, I I'm gonna talk out of two sides of my mouth. I don't disagree with what you just said. I understand what you're saying. With that being said, I'm so geeked up to watch live college football. It, they could be practicing versus air, and I can't wait to see how the new running back for Iowa or the new wide receiver for this team looks. Yeah. So I, I was perfectly happy with how it was. Mix in a kickoff classic here and there that you yeah. like to see. With that being said, I'm willing to Wouldn't to see how this whole week one thing goes and and give it a different shot. Okay, next up, I got Michigan State at Northwestern. So now you got a full offseason year two for Mel Tucker and Michigan State. Northwestern, now they've got a new quarterback coming in. I mean, it's a springboard or a step back for either one of these. I mean, Mel Tucker would be, it would be great to get, Year two off with a start. On the other side, if Northwestern loses that game, you know. You got the revenge factor from last year. That too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's exciting. Dude, someone, and this is that's the fifth ranked team and or game. And I think you're going to agree with me that, you know, where it's ranked. Number four. Now, I just want to preface this by saying you, you could move. You, you know, I mean, this is all, you know, a choice of whoever would want to rank these. But I think the point I'm trying to make is you're not going to move these around too much. The fact that this next game I'm going to say is ranked fourth kind of gives you an indication okay. of just how good these games are. And by the way, I haven't looked at this at all. So you're, you're I'm learning you're, all of this right now. Okay. Indiana and Iowa. That's my fourth ranked team. Indiana at Iowa. Yes. They're coming okay. into Kinnick, which I hope would be at the very least. I'm going to go down that path, but at least like a 50% full Kinnick stadium. Iowa. I don't want to scare you but you don't start the years out very well normally. And we talked about that on one of the last podcasts. Boy, this is a, I feel like Indiana is loving this. I absolutely. Yes. I I would. And and, and Indiana normally plays very well against Iowa when they play them. That's, that's true too. Um, Both teams uh, at one point in um, before the very end of the season, you know, when Indiana kind of flagged a little bit in the bowl game, but the, a lot of people were considering this to be the second and third best team in the Big Ten. I don't think that's the case. Northwestern was always the second best team in the Big Ten. But even at the end of the year, you could say this was the third and fourth best teams in yeah, the Big Ten. that's true. A lot of them wanted to play in that Champions Week. Didn't so it, happen. It's and like, then you turn around, you get it week one. It's the poor man's championship. It really kind of is. Yeah. That's a, that's a great way of putting it. A lot of returning starters, both teams, but with some key losses. Next up, Ohio State at Minnesota. Now I probably could have ranked this a little bit lower. I don't know. I I, just find this game intriguing because it's Ohio state starting the year off on the road against, you know, it's a power five team and without their best quarterback ever. There you go. You nailed it. That is what brought this one to the third ranked team to me. I still, they're, they're starting over. Yeah. Completely a quarterback. I still would have put, IU, Iowa at three, and Ohio State, Minnesota. That's fair. At four. That's fair. I totally, totally understand that. To me, it's just, it's the intrigue of Ohio State is obviously, I, you know, not to say the same thing everybody says all the time, but they're going to have more talent than Minnesota than almost every single spot, except for quarterback. I mean, they Minnesota yeah. has a marked advantage at quarterback. That could be enough to just make this game kind of fun to watch. And you might want to throw running back in there. There Muhammad. you go as well. Yeah. That's a great point. Number two, I have Penn State at Wisconsin. Ooh, all right. Wisconsin, now now I we're think, talking. Wisconsin, I think, will be the odds-on favorite. Again, I think they will get picked to win the Big Ten West by most prognosticators. Yes. 
Penn State will probably be picked, I would think, to be the second best team uh, yes. in the Big Ten East. So probably. you have probably two of the of the three best teams in the Big Ten preseason playing each other. Season over for each team if they don't win the game. No. Angry fan base in in Happy Valley if they don't beat Wisconsin to start the year. Yes. That's well that's huge. I mean, that's obviously an enormous game. I can't believe that game's not number one. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Okay. I have week zero, Nebraska versus Illinois. Okay, number one, right now. I'm going to start by saying I think you're crazy, but okay, go ahead. That's fine. There are so many freaking storylines with this game. So number one storyline, it's the first game. It's the first Big Ten team game, teams, player, whatever, that we're going to get to watch in the year 2021. I that mean, alone, yes. the novelty of that alone is amazing. Number two, as we record this podcast late February – this is still being predicted to be played in Dublin, Ireland. Well, it is scheduled to play be played in Dublin, Ireland. It will not be played in Dublin, Ireland. You're, you're like you don't know that. You're just saying it because you feel like you know that. I mean, just with what's going on in Ireland right now, with the, the with their interventions, with the the Rona cases. Let's say, okay, let's say everything goes great with the vaccines. They roll out the vaccines there. I still don't see them allowing a full okay. stadium. So if they don't have a full stadium, I just don't know why you do it. To me, I'm going right now under the impression that this game will happen in Dublin. If it does, it would be an absolute incredible spectacle that I think even uh, fans outside of the Big Ten sure. would turn into. I'm hoping that right there and the fact that Kevin Warren needs something to happen where people can actually point to and be like, hey, look, he pulled that off. Maybe that situation there alone is enough motivation for Kevin Warren and the Big Ten Conference to see if they can actually get this pulled off. I mean, I would love it. If if they're if they're gonna have a full stadium and things are gonna be somewhat normal, I'm gonna go to the game. Okay. I'm going to the game. Okay. But if it's if it's weird, if it's twenty five percent capacity, if it's all kind of restrictions, I'm not gonna go to the game. I hope you're there, buddy. I hope you're there. Other parts of this. Which is another reason why it's not going to be there. Okay. We'll see. I, I, I'll i say this. I'm a little bit more confident now than I was, you know, a couple weeks well, ago. Well, I will say when they they made the announcement that they were going to tweak the schedule a little bit, I figured that would be one of the tweaks is it's not going to be in Dublin. It's just going to be in Champaign. But they didn't say that. They, okay. It's still scheduled to be in Dublin, Ireland. We haven't even gotten to the on-field stuff. This is the premiere of Beatle. This is yeah. the first time we will see that Brett Bulma coached Illinois fighting Illini. That brings intrigue. For sure. Game. No That's doubt. incredible to me. On the other side of it, it is officially he better start winning game season for Scott Frost. Abs no doubt. And Nebraska. And not only winning the games. The storylines will write themselves. Like if Illinois wins this game, first game coaching for Brett Buell. Well, that's the thing. If you he know, loses to a first game coach, that will be things will start to really heat up in Lincoln if that happens. I, I think so. Yeah. I think that is another thing that makes this game intriguing as heck. And then the other side of it, if Nebraska rolls Illinois, then it could start the thought process sure. on the opposite yep. side for Nebraska, right, where like, that's a big game that way as well. Like, finally, we're doing what we're supposed to do. We expect to beat Illinois. We expect to beat their ass, especially in that first-year coach. All right, things are starting to roll. Or it's just a 28-27 to 27 unbelievable game shootout. Like, dude, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. The first Again, you have to try to put yourself in the position – this is the first time we've been able to watch big live Big Ten football in, you know, how many months? Oh, man, I just I can't wait. And I sure hope and I think that what we'll see is a lot of fans in the stands if they're in Champaign. Yes, if they and the, the, a little bit of the novelty will be taken back if, if they do play in Champaign. But there's still going to be amazing reasons to watch this game. So because Champaign County was going to allow something like 25 or 30 percent capacity this year. OK. But it got nixed by the Big Ten, and I don't. I, I think there'll be less nixing of that. So Which, I mean, last year, you know what I mean. Right, you know, what I mean. okay. All right, ready to go on to the three teams? Yes, sir. So we are doing uh, 
the three teams we are doing are the Michigan Wolverines, the Minnesota Golden Gophers, and the Maryland Terrapins. If you haven't tuned in to the last two podcasts, I'm going to give a quick outline of what we're going to do. Uh, we are going to go through each game of the regular season schedule to kind of relive the season, how it went for each team. We're going to give you the biggest moment of the year, the offensive MVP, the defensive MVP, a special MVP, which could be a special teams player, but does not have to be. It could just be a kind of a wild card. And then we're going to give you a team grade. Does that sound good? Podcast partner. Yes, sir. Let's do it. All right. Starting out with the schedule. Now, remember, Michigan was supposed to be really, really good coming into the 2020 season. Do you remember that? They're supposed to be really, really good. I picked them four and four preseason okay. in our in our, our preview pod. I, I didn't pick-, pick them as high. As, as the prognosticators. Yeah, and I was so close to picking them three and five. I really was. And it came down to the Indiana game. And damn me for not having the Wavos to pick Indiana because I thought Indiana would be the better team, but I, I thought the name on the jersey would overcome that and that mission. I didn't. I just didn't have the chutzpah to go through with it. And so I was going to go three and five. With that being said... I think the general thought process is that Michigan would look pretty good at playing football in the 2020 year. I mean, I didn't think they were going to be a terrible team by any means. I no. just thought they were going against a bunch of really good teams in the East. Yeah, right. We heard about Joe Milton, who was the love child of Cam Newton and Joe Namath. <laughs> and, and let's not forget that they lost a ton from this team. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that was that factored in big time. I, sure. I didn't think they were untalented. I thought they just... They, you know, they, it was a new team. They're putting a lot of new stuff together and it just wasn't going to look that good. Sure. So first week though, it looked good. They boat raced the Gophers in the bank, 49 to 24. Joe Milton looked like Joe Milton. He sure did, man. Was supposed to look from the, you know, admittedly drunk Michigan fans at the time. I, I I mean, he was incredible in this game. I was starting to think, okay, maybe they were right. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe Michigan's going to be. Pretty spicy. Who were they playing? They were playing a, a it was ten and two, eleven and two. Uh, Minnesota team Minnesota from, the, team previous from year. the previous year. Yeah, yeah. And I, I expected Minnesota to have a really good year, so I, mean, I started I, really rethinking things at this point. I remember I actually won money on this game. I took Michigan to win this game because I don't know if you remember, but we had, and what's ironic, it's the next team up. So, but Minnesota was already flagging at this point. We had heard from insiders yeah. that things weren't. Yeah. So it didn't completely shock me that Michigan won this game going away, yet they really looked good in this game. So, wow. Got some momentum, right? Going in. Oh, man. We're going to play Michigan State. They got beat by Rutgers the week before. Doink. <laughs> 27 to 24. They get beat by Sparty. Basically... Basically, the shit was already hitting the fan at this point. Probably the biggest Jan L. Smith misery index swing from one week to the next ever. And it would be the same thing if there was a, you know, same version Michigan index. I don't know what the swing yes, would be. Who sure. It would be, but, um, It'd probably be the Rich Rod misery Rich Rod index. misery index yeah. would be a good one. Um, that was bad. That was... That was totally unexpected. I kept waiting for Michigan to just wake up in this game. They did not like Joe Milton finished with 300 yards passing in this game, but like it it wasn't a good 300 yards passing. They couldn't run the ball. The defense was having issues. Don Brown was already getting attacked by Michigan fans on Twitter and things weren't looking good. If you remember going back to Joe Milton, like there was just, there was, they were not in sync in the passing game. Things like they weren't, the chemistry wasn't good between him and the wide receivers and, and, Overall, their offensive line actually protected Joe Milton pretty well, but something looked wrong there too. They just yep. everything looked wrong. So Michigan's sitting at one and one. I'm going to bunch these two games together. They get beat pretty handily by the Hoosiers, 38 to 21. There certainly wasn't any debate on who the better team was, and they follow that up by getting absolutely destroyed by Michigan, 49 to 11 by Wisconsin. Or excuse me, by Wisconsin. Uh, yeah, Michigan did not get beat by Michigan. Michigan got beat by Wisconsin, 49 to 11. If you can remember, Wisconsin beat the brakes off Michigan two years ago. Michigan yeah. handled Wisconsin last year, and now this year. 
Wisconsin feeds them back and just I mean there was there was no doubt in this game Michigan looked horrible at this point yeah and at that point also the Joe Milton experiment was starting to end um not necessarily end but we're gonna try the Cade McNamara experiment for a little bit so we got in there a little bit at the end of the game didn't have you know great game only through seven passes but now we're starting to say eh, is is Milton the quarterback is McNamara now we got a little controversy on our hands then next week they beat Rutgers 48 to 42, three overtimes. One of the, I mean, one of the best games in the Big Ten of all of, of this past year. I, the general consensus was Michigan was lucky as bleep to pull this win out. Yeah, I felt like Rutgers was the better team. They kind of blew it at the end there. And Caden uh, McNamara, by the way, great game 260 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. So now you're thinking, okay, maybe that was the problem. Maybe Milton was the problem. Even though up to that point, I was saying, I don't think it's Milton. I think they got all kinds of things going wrong. But then I was starting to change my mind on that. Another notable thing with this game. Uh, uh, Hassan Haskins winds up with 111 yards rushing. Mm-hmm. First time they had a 100 yard rusher in the year that with with Haskins in that game. Uh, next game up, Penn State, they get beat 27 to 17. These were like two, you know, it's like it's like watching two boxers pass their prime. That's kind of yeah. what this this game had the feeling of. I felt pretty good about Penn State win this game. I think I won a little bit of coin on this game because Penn State was playing better football at that yeah, point. Yeah, but Michigan year. hung in there. They did. And I think if I don't rec- if I recall correct, I think Penn State scored late. I think it was 20 to 17 really late. And they they got a late touchdown. So that was a close game. I actually give them credit for that last game bit. for hanging. They showed some fight. And at the end of the year, Penn State was a pretty good team. Okay. Okay. So I felt good about that one. Cade McNamara, eh, not so good. 90 yards passing, zero touchdowns. So at this point, Michigan is two and four. Well, you know, Got some games coming up. Maybe we can finish on a hot streak. Canceled versus Maryland. Canceled versus Ohio State. Champions Week canceled versus Iowa. Last three games of the year, they just do the, you know what? I don't know if you better at a casino when the dealer does the little. Oh, yeah, of course. Does the, you know, I'm out of here. That's that's what they did right after that Penn State game. I find it hard to believe that you would have to cancel three games in a row. It just would have to be a, a lot, a lot of guys coming down with a row. That's a viable question, my friend. Viable question. Mm. All right. Biggest moment. I mean, there really was only one blast moment for Michigan fans this year, and it was routing Minnesota to start the year. Yeah. I mean, that's the obvious choice. The other one. That was the happiest Michigan fans were all year. No doubt about that. But I, I, I'm going back to the Penn State game too. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely picking Minnesota. Don't get me wrong. But like, they showed me something in that game. All right. And to, but then they quit after that. So maybe, I don't know. That was their last push of the season was was not getting blown out against Penn State. But no, of course, Minnesota is the choice. Okay. Offensive MVPs. This is tough. I got one, but which what's yours? I'm going with punter Brad Robbins. He <laughs> averaged 45.3 yards the, per kick. The offensive. Yes. Okay. He's not. He's yeah, fourth down. Get, They've got, they yeah, got the fair. ball. Yeah, that's fair. Hey, when I was in school. Usually when you think of that. Uh, a special teams player for offense, you think kicker, but you know, no, okay, no. So okay. I, know, I get it. What you're saying, I just think it's funny. When I was in school okay. at Illinois, <laughs> our punter's name was Brett Larson. You remember Brett, yeah, Brett yeah, Larson, yeah, the fat well. punter? Okay, good punter. Yeah, he won offensive MVP yeah, one year right. when I was in never, school. Never a good sign. No, never a good sign. So what does that tell you? Their offense was pretty bad. And you know who was good? Brad Robbins, the punter from Michigan, he led the Big Ten in, in yards per punt average. Yeah. yeah. So and somehow it, it could have been worse. And it, we talk this up all the time, the great punting that's in this conference. I mean, when I went to look at the stats at the end of the year, because this is what I do, I look at punting stats, I couldn't believe that Brad Robbins led the league in average. Because you just weren't paying that much attention. Like I wasn't paying that much attention because, you know, at that point you're just excruciated because you're watching this pathetic offense. I under, I don't mean to demean any kind of punting effort, especially on this podcast. Did a great job. It's just not a good sign if your punters, your your uh, player. Of the did year. I okay. say it, it was a good sign? No, I didn't. No, you did not. Listen, I, I, mine's a little weird. Okay, I went with. So mine wasn't weird. No, mine's weirder than yours. <laughs> okay. I think. I actually went with running back Hassan Haskins. Okay. Okay. Here's work with me here. All right. If you go over the top touchdown scores in the league. 
if you get around five, you're probably leading your team. I know. He scored six touchdowns. He scored six touchdowns. The other thing, too, he had a 6.1-yard average. Oh, I didn't realize that. That's that, pretty that good. That is a high average. He just lacked He just lacked carries. Like, it, like just literally chances to shine. If he would have had more chances to shine, I think he could have had a better year. So I, I like where you're going okay. with this. And, and I'm going to add to it because I don't have the stats in front of me, but I think Zach Charbonnet had something like 170 yards on the year. Which almost all came against Minnesota. In one carry. In one carry. 70-yard carry against Minnesota. Correct. So after Hassan Haskins, they had nothing at running back. Yep. I mean, where would they have been without Hassan Haskins? Part of the reason why he's my MVP. Uh, it's almost like he was as important as Brad Robbins, their punter. <laughs> the defensive MVP, listen, it's it's hard to pick, okay? Um, I don't think it's that hard. Really? Okay. No. First of all, Quiddy Pay and Aiden Hutchinson were supposed to have big years. They did not. They, no, but they, they also were dinged up. They were dinged up. Dude, they only Michigan only had nine sacks I know. on the whole year and two picks. I know. I know. And uh, like, I know. Because, you know, I go and I try to look at an offensive or defensive MVP, call me crazy, but I look at stats. Nobody on this defense jumped off the page no. to me. I went with de- defensive line Carlo Kemp. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, I felt like he was the one that flashed yeah. the most on the defense. That's fair. Okay. So you were talking about nine sacks that they had on the air and the two INTs. Do you know they only gave up eight sacks? That's impressive. It's hard to believe. That's a, that's a low you- sack total for both of them. Yeah, um, so I'm going with Josh Ross. Okay. Josh Ross, that's linebacker. Yeah. 53 tackles, led the team in tackles. 8.8 a game, was eighth in the Big Ten. Did have a sack. He had one of those INTs, by the way. Um, Good choice. So yeah, for me, it was it, it just – and to me, it kind of was like nobody really jumped out to me. So I looked at the stats. I'm like, oh, well, he was definitely the more, most productive guy. Okay. So I went with Josh Ross. Special MVP. Okay. I'm going to kind of do what we did on a previous cast here. I didn't mention Hassan Haskins as the offensive MVP, but I'm going special because of his six touchdowns in six games. Pretty impressive. But this kind of encapsulates what Michigan was this year. His touchdown runs. He had two in the first game, two in the last game. He had one in the second game, one in the second to last game. So he had kind of bookended the season. His, his touchdown runs in yardage were four yards, four yards, two yards, two yards, two yards, and one yard. Hey, let's get the ball in the end zone, though. I mean, it is, but it just shows. get a nose for the end zone. That's what that means. But it just shows a lack of explosiveness, not from him necessarily, but from the whole offense. I just find it funny that you, the two awards are offensive MVP and special MVP. You gave the special yes. MVP to the offensive player and the offensive player to well, the special MVP. We're, we're dealing with Wolverines here. <laughs> okay, I went with uh, right uh, running back, gadget, wide receiver, uh, uh, Blake Corum. Yeah. I He he flashed to me he did. as well. He like, did. He's going to be a name that Big Ten fans know before too long. So to a certain degree, I feel like I'm getting in before it's more of a uh, okay. uh, uh, household name. Team grade, D. I said before, the very first team grade podcast, that I was going to be very stingy giving out any grades below a C- minus because every program did their best to bring football to us fans, and I very much appreciate that. There will be no Fs. I can almost guarantee you this will be my lowest graded team. Okay. Didn't even give him a D minus, but this was a bad Michigan team. And they've they've got talent. Don't tell me they don't have talent. No. They got talent. They they quit playing they quit wanting to to compete at the end of the year. I think you can make an argument that D is actually a pretty favorable grade. Well. That's my grade. I really considered giving them an F. Ooh. I really, I really yeah. did, and it would have been because of those, the cancellations at the end. Like, take those away. Let's say they tried to play those games. I, I would not have even thought about an F. I, I thought about it, but I didn't do it. I'm going with a solid D. You went with a D as well. I thought I for sure you got at least be a D minus the way you were. I considered that too, but I, I guess I'm just in a good mood. You Wolverines. are in a good mood. Yeah, okay. good. No, it's a good grade. So. Wow, same same exact grade here. Yes. Very interesting. 
All right. Next up, the Minnesota Golden Gophers. All right. So reset this a little bit. Coming off the gigantic, the program-altering huge year of 2019. All kinds of good feels and good momentum coming into 2020 year. Then the offseason happens, which obviously was crazy for everybody. I think I could maybe make an argument it was as crazy for Minnesota as any team in the Big Ten. We had, you know, we have access to, I would say, a decent amount of insider-ish type of people to the Gopher program. We oh, yeah. live very close to where the Gophers, you know, are located. We started hearing grumblings back in, I would say, August, definitely September. It was, it was before August. Even I before think. that. I think so, yeah. Things weren't good in Dinky Town. No. So, and for those that don't know, Dinky Town is the little campus area. Yes, we're not putting down Minnesota. It's, it's no. not a very appealing name. For, it's not a very appealing name, and I don't really like Dinky Town very much. It's okay. It's it's. I mean, I guess if you're a college student, though. Well... But I've been to a lot of college campuses, like where the heart of the bars and the situation yeah. is. We should probably stop because we're gonna piss people. I, I dude, well, but- I've had a lot of fun in Dinky Town. Don't don't get me wrong. And and the proximity of bars and restaurants to all the stadiums right there, that is phenomenal. That's great. The, Williams Arena right there. The Banks fart. You know the the hockey state. I mean, it's all right there. It is. But I'll say another thing is because it's such a an urban campus. Yeah. I don't think you just stay right there on campus. You go to to like city bars. I think, but to a certain degree, you could say that's the appeal is you start the day off early in Dinky Town, hit your sporting event, and then you've got a, you know, metropolis nearby. Right. So, all right. Anyways, we had, we knew something was wrong. We knew something was up. We started hearing about like, there was a number of, of players that we heard were going to be out on the defensive side for the Michigan game. We heard about the specialists, all that stuff came to roost in the first game of the year. We just talked about it. They they get boat raced by Michigan, 49 to 24. There were times in that game where I felt like the Minnesota linebackers might as well have started the play with their butt facing the ball. They had no clue what was going on. Hate to bag on any, you know, individual players, but boy, their linebacker play was atrocious. At this time. At that time. Was bad. So and bad. And it was so bad. I mean, I think it's fair to say that Minnesota fans in general, they will jump on and off of any kind of sports event or team pretty quick. In this instance, I did not blame them because it looked that bad from the get-go week one. Yes, putrid. Although at the same time, we're thinking, Michigan, eh. Maybe Michigan's great, right? Then what was one of I mean, this was one of the most enjoyable games of the entire year. Oh, yeah. They lose 45-44 to to Maryland. You know, I don't have all the stats in front of me, but I think there was a combined, like, it had to have been pushing 1,000 yards in that game. Yeah, I think it probably was. It probably was over. And and the... the, Shoot, it might have been way over now that I think about it. I think it might have been, but the special teams obviously killed Minnesota in this game. The extra point in overtime ended up losing it for them. And that was something that I I was really looking at putting money on this game when I was putting money on the game I'm thinking I they just don't have anybody to even kick the ball yeah I remember thinking to myself because I now that you jog my memory I did put some shekels down on Maryland I did too. in this game because this was a pretty big spread I'm gonna say it's like 14 point favored by Minnesota I don't remember it what might it was. have been more than that because remember Maryland got their doors blown Correct. off by Northwestern the, the week before. They looked awful. So it was a surprising game to go for fans at that time. But looking back, it actually makes you know way more sense sure. now. We didn't know these teams. But Minnesota fans are feeling horrible. They are started out 0-2. Well, here's a way to get things back rolling again. Go to Champaign, Illinois, and they beat Mi- Illinois down 41-14. to Yeah. Kind of looking back, this is one of the more surprising scores of the entire Big Ten season. Uh, I mean, I don't remember Illinois was playing with their fourth fourth string quarterback at this point. Okay, that's right. Yeah, forgot about Karan that. Taylor was out there. With that being said, you know, 
you still have to give Minnesota credit here. Like 0-2 sure. and an ugly 0-2. And, and looking just, you know, one of the worst defenses we had seen like, in a long, long time. I was convinced this was going to be a team that was not going to give up any less than 40 points to any team they played. Me too. In the year yeah. at that point. Yes, Illinois was definitely playing, you know, with one hand tied behind their back. But they still, the defense looked better, you know, only allowing 14 points. So they get a little bit of good feels back. And also not to mention, Illinois did a pretty good job running the ball. Like, you would just think they could, okay, let's dedicate ourselves to the ground game. Yeah, they couldn't get anything done. Yep. Next week, in comes the rival on a Friday night game. Uh, This was a beautiful day for this specific podcast. Big Kurt and I were in attendance for this game. That's the highlight from most people listening to this version of the podcast because if you're a Minnesota fan listening, it was a it was a bad game. I mean, I would look just like it, they were the better football team in this game in pretty much any, you know, no doubt. Although Minnesota did hang in there. They did. It was pretty close till fairly late in the game. Um, so that gets them to one in three in the year. Minnesota fans, very grumpy. Then the next game, I believe it was another Friday night game versus Purdue. They win 34 to 31 to a certain degree. It was almost a reversal of the Maryland game, yeah. that game on the road that they lose. This game is at home controversial play at the end. Hey, not Minnesota's fault, but that was, this is to me, when I started looking at this team and saying they start to deserve your credit because, again, there was no reason for them to to have the desire to win this game, and they did. And, uh, you know, I, I will say this. Minnesota probably had the most problems with Thoreau this year. It seems like it. That's And I they mean, came out wanting to play every week, and they never gave up. And, yes, th- this was definitely a turning point here. Then we take – a couple weeks off at Wisconsin versus Northwestern. Neither one of these games are played. It's kind of a mixture of reasons that they couldn't play these games. Uh, but in the end, they're gone. I mean, those two those two games were off the schedule. So then after a big time uh, break, they they don't play from November 20th until December 12th. Wow. I mean, that is just short of a month that they don't play college football. And mm. then they travel down to north to nebraska they are shorthanded they there's a number of people that are not playing in this game nebraska looked really good the week before if you can remember i was convinced nebraska's defense it, it took a huge step forward there was i felt like hey, nebraska's defense was pretty good this year. absolutely it seemed like nine out of ten intangibles lined up for nebraska to win this game and they beat the Cornhuskers 24-17. Pretty impressive. Very impressive. Yep. Very impressive. Like, I th- I would think Minnesota fans, I know they're not happy, but they should have been really happy with that win. They should have been. And, you know, obviously a lot of equity from the previous year, a lot of that goes out the window first few weeks. But you got to start feeling pretty confident, especially you're coming up towards the end of the year here. It's been a crappy year for everybody. You're start, you know, you're 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 improving as the season goes on, which is a PJ thing. So as a, as a fan, you're starting to feel pretty good. I agree. Then okay, this is a tough loss. I get it. Twenty to seventeen to Wisconsin was Wisconsin the world beater? No, but they still had to go on the road. I, first of all, again, so glad they played for the axe that they got they were able yep. to fit this in. Twenty to seventeen in overtime, they lose the game to finish three and four. Coulda, shoulda, woulda, but. I'm just saying, if they would have won this game, and they could have won this game. Yes, they could have. They would have finished four and three. Yes. That's a winning a- record. After that disastrous start, that, w- that would have been amazing. Okay, it's gonna Just remember that because it's going to play into okay. my grade. Biggest moment, I kind of already talked about it. I have the, the win against Nebraska shorthanded versus the almost month layoff. Okay, I thought about that one. I also thought about... The Purdue win with the the crazy call at the end. I thought about the beatdown of Illinois, which kind of, you know, to some degree started the turnaround. But for me, it was the moment after the Purdue win when PJ in the in front of the mic goes, <laughs> run the boat, go to the run, and runs and, and just sprints sprinted off, off the field. That was the moment of the year for me. So a little bit jovial take on that, but man, that was that was hilarious. Um, listen, I'm going to go first because I feel like you're going to do something goofy with this. For offensive MVP, 
listen, it's Mohammed Ibrahim. He was an absolute stud. I mean, a thousand, a thousand yards rushing in 15 touchdowns in a 12 game season might get you first or second team in the big 10. He did it in a, in an extremely shortened season. The dude was incredible. There's no question. There's no other name to put up here. Okay. It was Mo. I didn't do the projections, but 1,076 yards in seven games, that projects like to 1,800 yards in 12 games. Right, I mean, and like 28 touchdowns. Well, yeah, with like, like 28 that. touchdowns. I mean, that's incredible. Um, I, I don't know what you can say other than he was the best running back in the conference. With a not-so-explosive passing attack that yeah. we've been used to and a shuffled-around offensive line. Absolutely. I mean, they're playing – freshmen they were playing walk-ons by the end of the year and it just never seemed to matter just right. give mo the rock and he's going to take it into the end zone all right we need to find a defensive mvp here <sighs> yeah yeah um by the way that was the exact same reaction to a couple gopher fans that i checked with too i didn't check with any gopher fans um this is really tough but i think i'm going to go with boye mafe Okay. That's who I went with, too. Did you? Okay. I, I mean, he, he doesn't – it's not great stats, but here, five and a half tackles for loss, four and a half sacks, yes. pretty damn good in he, only seven he, games. He's not consistent. I I, I think – No, even, he's not. I think even the Boye Mafe clan would maybe fess up to that. But the biggest moment of the year that I had was the win against Nebraska. He was huge it was. in that game. So that was enough to, to put him over the edge for me. I mean, if you look at the statistics – the tackles leader was Mariano Soria Marion. Now I will say, hold on, yeah. hold on. He came around. He God. was playing pretty good football by the end of the year. Yeah, but I, I couldn't. You just go can't with. give it to a linebacker this year. Just, no, yeah. no, so, no, 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 no. Uh, special MVP. I'm gonna tell you one thing. It ain't gonna be a specialist for. <laughs> <laughs> there was nothing special about their specials. Depending, well, depending what your what your definition of special is. Yeah. Um, I went with C to the A to the B. Chris Hotman. Mm. Okay. Bell. Um, you know. That was a I, – this is I shouldn't say it like this. He was third fiddle in the 2019 offense. Well, yeah. Third option, I should just say that. So he's supposed to move up to the second option with Tyler Johnson moving on. Agent Zero, who we've, you know, inconspicuously have not named here on the year. I haven't talked about him yet. Because it just wasn't – it wasn't what we thought it was going to be for him. Somebody had to fill in essentially to be the number one wide receiver. It was supposed to be him. It was him. He he had a pretty good year. I mean, I was impressed. I didn't. Okay. I did not give him enough credit prior to this year. Maybe nobody did. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I th I thought he was fantastic. I did go with Rashad Bateman. Okay, May, perhaps more of a lifetime achievement award. That's I just, fine. I well, that I'm glad you went with them. For, first of all, for coming back this season and for giving us three enjoyable seasons. And going down his stats here, in his career at Minnesota, 147 catches, 2,395 yards, average of 16.3 yards per catch and 19 touchdowns. Also ran the ball for a number of yards for one TD as well. Um, I just had to give some love to Rashad. I'd like to say thank you to my podcast partner. We needed to give him a send-off, and you did it very well there. Good job. He, he deserves the, the kind of – Lifetime Achievement Award. All right, Team Grade, what do you got? Couldn't get with the go with a horrible grade here because they just, like I said, got hit with the row probably worse than anybody, and they tried to play all their games. They wanted to play all their games. They hung in there. They did get better throughout the year, so I'm going with the solid C grade. Okay. I thought maybe go a little bit lower than that, so we're just a little bit different here. I'm, I went with a C plus. It's a low C plus, which would be like a 77, right? Okay. I, I just... I can't escape the fact that they were a ball bouncing away from going four and three. Yeah, I know. That's a good point. And, and you could, I mean, you could make the argument they were two balls bouncing away. I know. Away. I mean, they think lose by one point to Maryland and a field goal by Wisconsin. I mean, okay, like, think like this, there is there is a bigger stink attached to the 2020 Minnesota Gophers that I believe should be there. I agree. Um, maybe I should go a little bit higher, but imagine if they had a kicker, any kicker for the Maryland game. That's our, they already probably would have gone four and three. That's a good point. Maybe Crazy. I should have gone B minus. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely was going to the C plus. I, I don't know if I ever completely thought about because the problem you can't give them a B minus in, they started the year off. I mean, they were ranked. They like, yeah. this was a team that was well thought of. 
to wind up with a losing record, I think a B minus is a little bit high, but I think a C plus is very fair. Kind of reminds me of my my uh, my chemistry career in college. Just started off, you know, it was really rough. Like I don't know, I, I don't know if I belong here. I got through it. Had a bunch of you know, a bunch of adversity, and eventually got my degree because I got C's. Okay, <laughs> that we talked about on a previous podcast. Yes, so, C's and degrees, baby. All right, next up, last uh, team on this podcast, the Maryland Terrapins. All right, to start the year off, the thought process from the two people that record this podcast is that Maryland was going to be awful. Mm -hmm. I believe we both picked them 0-9 in the podcast, correct? (laughs) Yeah, well, 0-8 because we didn't know the ninth game. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. So we were only picking 8. Yes, I picked them 0-8 and you did too. We both picked Rutgers to be better than Maryland. Yeah. That that was – that was the prediction. Start the year off versus Northwestern. They get destroyed 43-3. to A Northwestern team that we thought at that time was going to be bad as well. And we were just like, oh, God, this is exactly what we thought Maryland yeah. was going to be. Then something crazy happened. These, these teams are kind of tying together. They beat Minnesota 45-44. to Tolia Tangavaiola throws for 394 yards, and Funky got going for 221 yards. This offense exploded in this game. You know, it's weird. Locks, his offenses can look great at times, really great when things are clicking. I mean, I don't know what it is. If it's like a scouting thing by the team, if they don't catch certain things. But my goodness, when it looks good, it looks really good. I think the key is when they play a very bad defense. Well, okay, touche. <laughs> or at least a, a defense that's struggling at the time. So at the time, now Maryland's one and one. We really thought that was more about how bad Minnesota's defense was. Do you yeah, remember? and and again, all the people that were out from Minnesota, the fact that they didn't have a kicker, yes. That played in. Now, Penn State came in 0-2, okay? With that being said, you, you it, it was hard for me – to forget just how bad Penn State beat Maryland in 2019. I know we're talking about a different year, but I mean that was like 73 to nine. Was that, it, oh, was that like, right? Whatever it was, it was. I might have. I don't remember. Or 63 to three, or maybe they shut them out. 63 to nine. I don't remember. Point being is, I just I know it's a year you know uh, uh, away. But that score and the fact that this is Penn State and it it's a it's a quasi rivalry. Mm-hmm. I just thought Penn State would just show up and just say, Enough's enough. We're gonna go get a win. For sure. Thirty five to nineteen they beat Penn State. And by the way, it was a much worse beat down the I night. I agree. Because I agree. it was thirty five to seven late, and in the fourth quarter, Penn State scored two unanswered touchdowns. Pretty and, and one was really late, I think. The other one maybe had been 10 minutes left. The other one, like, just a couple minutes left. I think they were both Jahan Dotson, too. They're just like, look, we got this weapon. Let's throw it to him. They, this was an absolute beatdown. The fact that they scored 19 points does not indicate how badly they got beat. I agree. And just like that, the stink of week one and the offseason is gone. They're sitting there at two and one and feeling good. Here's the problem. That was it. That was it for the season in many different capacities. They're supposed to play Ohio State the next week. They do not. Supposed to play Michigan State the next week. They do not. They come out of the hole to play a football game. It's against the Hoosiers. Pretty much a boring game. Indiana just absolutely controlled that game. Win that 27-11. Another week off versus Michigan. Don't play that game. They come back out of their hole again to play Rutgers. They've got injuries at or uh, uh, issues at quarterback. Uh, Tolia Tonga Viola doesn't play in this game. They get beat by Rutgers, which is probably their number one rivalry in the conference right now. And that's it. I mean, there was just nothing left after that Penn State game. It's crazy. Like you, you, I kind of almost forgot till I w- looked through the schedule. I'm like, oh my god, that was it. There was just nothing left of this season. Yeah, and I was saying, I knew there was another team that really struggled with Rowe, and it was Maryland. Yep. And then the uh, Champions Week was supposed to be Michigan State. My general thought process is both coaches, fan bases, and administrations are like, why in the bleep are we playing this? Game? Yeah, and they just. I think that's probably true. If if any of the time it was like understandable that any one player or coach didn't want to play a game. 
I, I think it was the Maryland Michigan State for game sure. That was Champions League. That was. I'm not sure you can find a more meaningless, meaningless game at that point for either program. All right. So biggest moment. I mean, dude, it's hands down to me beating Penn State. It's a rivalry to them. Yeah. So there's no doubt, hands down, beating uh, Penn State. Of course, this was Kim Jarrett's coming out party. He scored that 42 yard pass from to Aaliyah. The 62 yard pass right after that, still in the first quarter. Up 14 nothing. then Jake gets funky, scores a touchdown, 21 nothing. Finally, oh, finally uh, Dotson gets a touchdown. They come right back. Dante Demas, Chance Campbell picks up that fumble, takes it 34 yards to make it 35-7. And then, here we go, 10 minutes left, Parker Washington, I'm sorry, scores. And then Parker Washington scored again with 11 seconds left. I mean, this was just an absolute beatdown. Yeah, yeah. And I um, couldn't believe... How good their offensive line looked. In it was that a, game. Oh, that's right. Because their offensive line looked so atrocious at, yeah, it was the weirdest thing. And it was world. such a patchwork offensive line going into the year. I'm like, Ooh, Juco guy here. Transfer. Ooh, dude. Ah, oof. But man, they, they put it together. Offensive MVP. No doubt. Jake Funk. And you cannot take this away from me. It was Jake Funk after this injury riddled career uh, he really only played in four games, unfortunately. Out of five, though, four out of five, not too bad. Um, only 35 yards against Northwestern, but then explodes for 221 against Minnesota. Only has 80 against Penn State, but solid game. 180 against Rutgers, three touchdowns on the year. I just love his story for me, Jake Funk. All right, hold that thought. I went with Tulia Tunga Viola. Okay. Um, Continuing on with the theme, when you remove a person from the team, how does it affect sure. them? I think we saw that at the end of the year. The two wins that they had versus Minnesota and Penn State, uh, Tulia went for 394 yards passing and 282. The offense needed to click for them to win games. The only way the offense was clicking was with Tulia. To me, that was the MVP, defensive MVP. Defensive MVP for it's me. Tough. Heart, no, I, okay. I this one well, stood out to me. Heart and soul of the defense this past year was Chance Campbell, okay. linebacker. All right, I, I, I went with uh, defensive back Nick Cross. Okay, um, that's a good one. I mean, I, okay, my thought process was nobody, nobody was out. I mean, another team, only two team interceptions. Yeah, that, that, that's not good. There, there wasn't a lot of big play type of stats to pick from. I sometimes just go with the. Who was the guy that I remember kind of like looking good? Yeah. It was Nick Cross to me. I mean, definitely the better athlete than Chance Campbell. I guess I compare Chance Campbell to uh, Haskell Garrett from Ohio State, where okay. he didn't have the greatest That's stats, but to me, he, it was it, the the defense kind of rallied around him. That's a very, um, very fair. So special MVP, very easily could have went with wide receiver Dante Dimas. Mm -hmm. So a shout out. Since I didn't uh, uh, list off Mr. F -f Funky, I went with him for my special MVP. I mean, the dude, each time, like, he's one of the, like, he had a big game versus Penn State, and it was almost like, or oh, excuse me, Minnesota. Yes, right. And it was almost like, wow, he's having a big game because it's Minnesota's linebackers. Sure. Like, he's not going to do this again. And he did it again yeah. next week versus Penn State. He did it a couple more times in the year. Yep. Anyways, yeah. Okay, I like that one. I have to go with, because he's such a special talent, and I'm looking forward to what he should do in the future. It's Rakim Jarrett. Yep. Now, his numbers don't jump out at you either. Only one catch for one yard against uh, Northwestern. Only played in four total games. Then he had 68, 144, and 39. But two, two big touchdowns against Penn State. Really flashed that potential. Former five-star recruit. This is what Locks does. I'm looking forward to watching Rakim. And I saw just some flashes that really excited me. So Rakim Jarrett's my pick. Good pick. All right. Team grade. I went with a C plus. Um, mostly because I just I really thought they were going to be awful. Like I thought they were going to be horrible. So the fact that they were able to get two wins, okay. which is double the, what I thought they were going to get. Yeah. Um, or actually. Yeah. Infinity more than you thought. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was thinking, because I think at one point when they had an, an, a non-conference schedule, I think I picked on a bit of yeah, okay. a game. But yeah, the whole point, we had the bar except very low. They definitely got over top of that. 
I thought about a lower grade at some point, but the one thing I want to say is taking the Northwestern game out, they hung with Indiana a little bit. Yeah. They didn't get their doors blown off. Rutgers was a pretty good team at the end of the year. They could have won that game. That's an overtime yeah. game. On a, like I don't know how much of the cancellations were necessarily their fault, but again, they could have just completely pitched in the tent. They showed fight. To me, that's enough for a C plus. So C plus, I'm surprised you didn't go higher than that. Oh. Because I had the bar set so low, I went with a solid B. No kidding. I don't know how you couldn't. I'm surprised you went so low. I mean, they won two games, two and three. And I thought they were going to win zero. Okay. No, I, I can understand. I think B is a skosh high. I thought maybe you'd be good for a B minus, but. I, I'm going with solid a, B. You're in a good mood, greater for. Well, you know how much confidence I have in locks to lead that program to big things. I mean, I think we all do. <laughs> all right, you got anything else? Man? Yeah, one more thing just okay. to plug for our guy, Chappie. Tim no, Chapman um, wrote a book, Champion Underdog is the name of the book, about the 1995 uh, Northwestern Wildcats and their, their Big Ten championship season, went to the Rose Bowl. I'm going to give a full book report at some point. If you like to read and you like college football, I don't know why you wouldn't give that book a, a listen so give Chappie a, give give Chappie's book a try I'm sure it's a good one I hope to get to it myself I am Jeffrey the Greek I'm Big Kurt this has been the Eyes on Big Podcast we will talk to you soon